Well, welcome to our broadcast today. We'll just go ahead and pray right now and get right into the Word of God. Father, we bless you, we thank you, we praise you for your goodness, Lord, and for your mercy. Oh, we trust the Holy Spirit, the one who always leads us and guides us into the truth. Lead us now into the Word of God. And Father, we'll give you the praise and the honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. Okay, we're going to be in the third chapter of 2 Thessalonians. We'll be finishing up the second letter of Paul to the Thessalonian church. And this chapter is going to cover, once again, uh, Paul's exhortation to the church to pray. And also, uh, Paul is going to instruct the church in how that we are to conduct ourselves in the world. And we're talking specifically about in the workplace. And so I think these two exhortations are very important. Paul always admonishes the church to pray, not just the church corporately, but to members individually. Prayer is the weapon that changes things in this world. You know as well as I do that the God of this world Uh, He thinks that um, he can defeat the plan and purpose of God. And in attempting to defeat the plan and purpose of God, he's going about to try to destroy the church. He destroys, he attempts to destroy the church by destroying individual members first, going after the leadership. Uh, The family is the bedrock now of the church. Well, Uh, The devil has done a pretty good job in destroying the family framework here in America, and he's done it through liberal-minded people who do not have any knowledge of all of the Word of God, either that or they have an antipathy towards the Christian religion. This is why it's so important for us to pray. Pray for God to give us men and women and leaders uh, in our nation who are just people, And who fear God. And if we'll do that, and we'll, if we'll have an overwhelming majority of people that are of this kind of framework, then, uh, this nation is going to be led in righteousness. And we're going to see a greater measure of revival and of peace in this nation than we have ever seen before. Remember, uh, the scripture verse that Paul Speaking in First Timothy chapter two and verse one, he says, I exhort therefore first of all that supplications, prayers, intercession, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority. We are to pray for all men. Specifically, we're to pray uh, for our leaders that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. So this is what you and I, we, we need to incorporate this, and this needs to be a standard in our life, and it certainly needs to be a standard in our worship services. Prayer must go before uh, the ministry of the Word if the Word is going to be effective. Now, the Word of God will stand alone. It will stand by itself. Amen. But you and I, as the ministers of God, as the ministers of the gospel, 
it's prayer that strengthens us and better enables us through the power of the Holy Spirit to deliver uh, the Word of God accurately. Amen. So this first section, verses 1 through 5, is Paul's call for the church to prayer. We have a call to prayer. Every Sunday, whenever we have midweek service, that's always a call for us to pray. And outside of church service, we are to pray without ceasing. So prayer becomes such a vital part of our life and of our ministry. So let's go ahead and begin. Verse 1, finally, brethren, notice what Paul says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even it is, even as it is with you. In other words, what Paul is saying, the same entrance that the word had into your life, we're praying for that same entrance of the word of God to be in other people's lives and in other communities' lives. Actually, this word free course, it means to run or to walk hastily. It comes from the Greek word treko, and that's where we get the word trek from, uh, that the word of God is to run, is to walk swiftly. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that uh, there are times and there were in seasons where Paul went to preach the word, but there was so much resistance that it seemed like the, the word of God couldn't be free enough and get out there uh, fast enough to grab hold of people's hearts. There was too much resistance. So what Paul is asking the church to pray for him is that the same entrance that the word of God had in y'all, we want that same entrance to be felt in the heart of other people, in other villages, and in other towns, and in other cities. And so I want you to pray for us for that effect uh, in our life and in our ministry, because the ultimate, and Paul says this in, in this verse 1, the, the last part of verse 1, and be glorified even as it is with you. When people get born again, when they get healed and, and, and delivered and set free, all that redounds to the glory of God. Amen. Hallelujah. When somebody gets healed, they don't say, well, praise myself. <laughs> nope. They'll say, hallelujah. They'll say, praise the Lord. All of that redounds uh, to the glory of God. So uh, God gets glory through the victory of the church. Verse 2, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Now, this is Paul's second request uh, for prayer, for the church to pray for him, that he would be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, or in other words, evil men. Why? Because not everyone loves the Lord. There are people in this country, we call the United States of America a Christian country, and I agree with that statement. But you, we also know that there are a lot of people, a lot of American citizens, those that live in, in the United States of America, that they hate God, they hate the church, and if they could, they'd wipe us all out. But they're not able to do it. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. They have the Spirit. Their hatred is... Uh, a, a spirit of antichrist. 
they're not going to be able to do everything that they want to do. Why? Because the church is here for a reason, for a purpose. The Holy Spirit is in the church. The Holy Spirit is restraining evil. The devil himself cannot do everything he wants to do. He has specific boundaries. And the church is here present in the United States of America to hold back evil. And I know that it seems like that there's more evil today than there was uh, yesterday, but uh, that may be just an illusion. Uh, there's always been evil, always been evil from the very moment that uh, our uh, Puritan uh, ancestors set foot upon the shores of this uh, continent. Uh, there has been evil and there will continue to be evil until Jesus comes back and uh, washes uh, the evil away uh, towards the end days. Uh, But you and I, we have a covering, and that covering is the blood of Jesus. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I know people hate the Word. They hate the church. They hate the Lord Jesus. Amen. But we love them. We love the Word. We love the church, and we love the Lord Jesus, and we're going to continue to be victorious in this life, all the way up to the very point in time where Jesus comes and raptures us away. But until that time comes, prayer becomes a necessary tool, a necessary weapon in our armament. And so we need to be about the business of prayer. We need to be praying for the word of God to have free course, but we also need to be praying that we'll be delivered from wicked and evil men. Amen. Notice what the Living Bible says. Pray to that we will be saved out of the clutches of evil men, for not everyone loves the Lord. And of course, we can go through the book of Acts and we can uh, discover all the places where Paul um, was uh, captured by evil men intending to kill them, but they were never able to do it. Uh, Paul did not lose his life until his plan, the purpose of God, his course was run in this world. Amen. So uh, we have just approached uh, our life. We have to approach it the same way. Uh, We're not giving in. We're not quitting. We're not taking no for an answer. And we're certainly not going to be denied. We are going to do everything that God has called for us to do. We're going to fulfill our our course. We're going to run our course with joy. Amen. And so that in the end, there's going to be a crown of righteousness given to all of us. Amen. Why? Because we've done everything that we were called to do. Amen. We finished our course and we are in love with the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, verse three says, but the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Now, I like the New American Standard translation. Listen to this. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Praise God. Amen. So there, right there, there is the boundary of Satan. He, can't not, he cannot do to us what he would like to do. Why? Because the restrainer is in us. The restrainer is upon us. The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen us. He will make us stable and firm. Amen. Will not be rocked. Will not be rocked to and fro like the waves of the sea. We're going to stand upon the word of God. Amen. Praise God. And we're not going to give in. We're not going to accept anything less than the best that the word of God 
has to offer us through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, verse 4. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you that you both do and will do the things that we command you. Now, let's read that verse 4 again. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you. In other words, what Paul is saying is this. He's saying that we know that you're going to listen to God. We know that you're going to do the things that, that we have taught you that the Lord would have you to do. We know that you're going to do it. Amen. You're going to do everything that we commanded you. The word of God that we taught you, we know that you're putting it into practice and it is bearing fruit. It's causing you to grow. It's causing you, amen, it's causing your love to grow. It's causing your faith to grow. So we know you're going to continue to do it. Now listen to verse 5. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. This should be a regular prayer of ours. Praying, Lord, direct our heart into your love. Lord, direct our heart into the love of God. Lord, direct our heart into the patient waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ. This this prayer becomes very, very important, especially when we're loaded down with temptations and trials and things like that. And we feel like, man, Lord, why don't you just take me on home? No, you're not going home. You're not done yet. Amen. You got a lot more to do. So quit praying that prayer. You get in there and you get on your knees and you pray through to victory. Glory to God. Get a fresh anointing on your life and then get up and go in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And begin running your race again. All right. Now, this second section is Paul's instructions now concerning our attitude and our witness and our example to the outside world, especially to our brothers and sisters in Christ and those outside of the church. And specifically speaking of the workplace, notice what Paul says here in verse six. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves. Notice that from every brother that walks disorderly and not after the tradition that he received of us. So Paul is stating here that not only did I teach you the revelation of redemption. Not only did I teach you the things that Jesus taught us, but I gave you practical instruction on how that you are to be a witness in your community, both in by word and also by action. And Paul is is laying out here uh, this uh, statement about those in the church that are not paying attention to what Paul discipled them and talked to them and ministered to them by way of discipling them to be a whole believer. And I think that's important. You and I need to be whole. W-H-O-L-E. We need to be whole. We need to be whole in spirit. We need to be whole in our mind, our will, and emotions. And we need to be whole in our physical body. Amen. Praise God. And evidently there were those in the church at Thessalonia that uh, were allowing some things to slip. 
And it has to do with idleness and it has to do with laziness. And that's one thing you and I need to constantly check ourselves on. Now, there are times where we need to rest, but then we don't rest all the time. There's times where we need to get up out of our easy chair and get to work, get things done, get things accomplished. Be goal setters. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, uh, you know, people who retire, I think the worst thing that they do is they sit down and do nothing. And uh, that's a that's the great prescription for aging quickly. No, we want to stay active. We want to stay busy both in the church and in the world. We want to make a difference in our communities. Amen. So uh, here's Paul's statement here in verse six. And so uh, he's given them a command now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, <clears throat> he's commanding them in Jesus name. And he's telling them, now, you stay away from any Christian who spends his days in laziness and idleness. He won't get up. He won't help you in the church. He won't help brothers and sisters. He won't help his own family. He won't get involved in the community. All he does is lay around all day and do nothing. And Paul is telling them, you withdraw yourselves from these kind of people. And the reason why is because when they realize through their actions, that they're being ostracized. In other words, what they're doing is not going to work. Amen. I mean, you can only help a lazy person for so long. After a while, if you continue to give to that person, after a while, they expect it. They demand it. And all of a sudden, if you dry up that well, they're going to get mad at you. They're going to speak evil of you. Why? Because that's just... Uh, carnal, human, fallen nature. Amen. The best thing to do with somebody that's in a helpless position is give them a helping hand. Amen. Help them out, but get them to the place to where they can start helping themselves. And I know that there's a lot of people in our community that they're completely unable to work and they are worthy of our compassion. They're worthy of our sympathy. They're worthy of our help. But there are also a lot of people that don't want to work, that are able-bodied, that they can work. And they have never made their living. They've always depended upon other people. And these are the kind of people, especially those that are in the church, amen, that they need to be corrected. We all need to be about the business of ministering the gospel or, or do it exactly like Paul said, speaking the truth in love enabling people to grow up into him. Now, verse 7 says, For yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. In other words, Paul says, You never saw us loafing. <coughs> you never saw us lazy. We were always busy. We were always at the work of the ministry. And even when we weren't ministering, we were working with our own hands to provide a living so that we didn't want to be overly chargeable to you. And so this is a very important thing here, and especially in this day and time when we see so many people that uh, uh, are not willing to work. Verse 8, neither did we eat any man's bread for naught but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we not, might not be chargeable to any of you. 
Listen, I remember years ago when I first got in the ministry. Now, I've always had a job from the time I was, uh, actually, before I got out of school. I always had a job. In school, it was a part-time job. I worked, you know, at a uh, putting up cookies in a grocery store, a newspaper route, helping out newspaper route, things like that. But I've always had a job. I've never been without a job. And uh, it was that way when I went away to Bible school. It was that way when I was in seminary. I've always been able to work, be able to find a job. And uh, I've never gone two days without a job until my first ministry assignment. That's the only time. My first ministry assignment is the only time that I got fired from a job. And it was the only time I couldn't find a job. I wound up having to drive 125 miles to work and work outside of the home to make a wage that I could take home to support my family. And I'm telling you, sometimes you just have to do what has to be done in order to get a job and work. But as I did that, eventually things worked out fine. Amen. Uh, we, we eventually got out of debt. Uh, God helped us along. But, you know, a lot of times God's just not going to feed us. Amen. Praise God. Three meals a day. Sometimes you and I are just going to have to tighten our belt and uh, we're just going to have to believe. Uh, amen. Praise God. We can't we can't look at the things that we are. We've got to we've got to believe that they're going to change and they will as long as we continue to have faith in Christ. Amen. So once again, verse eight, neither did we eat man's bread for nothing, for we wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Amen. That's the goal right there. I don't want to sit around and depend on other people's sympathy or other people's compassion and other people's mercy, feeling like, you know, all this stuff that people are doing for me, how am I ever going to pay them back? No, I want to be able to go out and I want to be able to work and whatever I do, I want to do it free of charge. Like one lady said that came in the grocery store, uh, there was some dispute about uh, about money and she said, no, 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 no. She says, I would rather you owe me than me owe you. And I think that's a very good principle in life. Amen. P Paul said it this way. Oh, no man, anything but to love him. And how are you going to do that? Well, you go out and you work and you provide your own ways and means. You do it in the faith of Christ. Amen. Now, there is a certain measure of self-reliance. In other words, when uh, when uh, the Lord Jesus gave the Great Commission, <clears throat> he told us, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And yet I hear so many people praying, Lord, just bring them in. Lord, just bring them in. Listen, let me tell you something. The Lord's not going to bring them in until you go out and get them. So go out and get them. Amen. Yes, pray for revival. But then, then, then right after that, after you pray for revival, you go. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, God will bless our efforts. Verse 9. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. In other words, Paul is saying, we did this not because we don't have a right uh, to demand support from you. 
But we did it as an example for you to follow. Now, the workman is worthy of his hire. Actually, those that labor in the word and deed, they're worthy of double honor. They're worthy of remuneration. They're worthy of a salary. Amen. Because they're out laboring for you. I'm talking about pastors and other ministers in the church. Amen. Hallelujah. But what Paul is saying here, this is a fledgling church. I'm not going to burden you with a financial responsibility to take care of me while I'm just sitting around doing nothing. No, I'm going to I'm going to use this situation as an example for you. Amen. Not only to come and worship God with everything that's within your heart, but then outside of worship service, you get out and you work hard and you do it for the glory of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Verse 10, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. You know, there is a stark statement that I read many, many years ago that someone said there is something about hunger that makes a man ready to work. And if you think about that for a moment, you think about all the people that are able to work, but they're on the dole. And they're sitting around idly, not doing a thing. Well, what if you took their support away from them? What do you think they would do? You think they would just sit around and starve to death? No, sir. They'd get out and they'd start finding a way that they could make money so that they could feed themselves and their family. And I know that there's a certain measure of compassion that we, you know, we can't throw compassion out. But I also realize that a lot of times we make it way, way too easy uh, for people uh, to be lazy. Now, verse 11, For we hear that there are some which walk disorderly among you, working not at all, but are busybodies. See, this is what happens. The idle mind is the devil's workshop. When people get idle, they start getting into things that they should not have get into. Amen. A man that works a good eight and ten hours a day, I guarantee you, he's not going to spend time getting into other people's business because he's got enough to handle of his own. Verse 12, Now them that are such we command and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. In other words, what Paul is saying, now you just shut up, keep quiet, you get to work, you earn your own living. Be a respectable person. Don't get into other people's business. You be an example of a good, faithful worker. And then verse 13 says, But ye, brethren... Be not weary in well-doing. See, this is where we get off track a lot of times. We get busy working, and we get taken up with our work. And then we forget about doing good. We keep it all to ourselves. But now there are extenuating circumstances. There are some people that are in a fix. They didn't ask to be in there. It wasn't their fault. It just happened. Well, we need to have a handout to help those people up. We need to be compassionate for those. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I'm sure people that are sincere, all they need is a little help to get things back to where they can, you know, start going again. They can start working again and they can start providing for their family again. I know that's in the heart of a conscious man, a good fellow Christian, that he wants to be that kind of provider for his family. All right. Now, the last three verses and we'll end up here. Now, the Lord... Of peace himself give you peace always by all means, 
The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is the token in every epistle. So I write the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So now we see in this epistle, especially in this third chapter, that there is always the spiritual side of ministry. That's prayer, that's devotion, that's church attendance, that's worship, that's getting involved in the church. And I tell you, my Baptist brothers and sisters, uh, they put a lot of other denominations to shame. I'm telling you, uh, uh, you, you, you find a good Baptist, you, you have found a good worker in the church. And there's a lot of them. And I thank God for it. Amen. But now there's also the practical side of ministry. And that's how you conduct yourself outside of church. And it needs to be the same. The way you and I worship, the way we behave in the church should be the same way that we work and we and we worship at home. We need to be the same. Amen. We always need to be the same. We're always censured to praise, but we're all but we're always and should be censored to rebuke and to criticism also. We should always be the same. That's the way the Lord Jesus was, and that's the way the church needs to be. Amen. Father, we bless you. We thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. Lord, we just trust in your ability, amen, to carry us through. Lord, to enliven us and to enlighten us according to your will. And Father, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.